A I N M E N U Main Menu Main Menu Main Menu Greetings everyone, you are listening to Main Menu for the 16th of September 2016. This is your co-host Jason Castingway speaking. I hope everyone's had a great week. We are off talking with someone who founded Main Menu. And if you haven't already guessed who that is, Janine Stanley will be interviewing guest Jonathan Mosen. They will be talking about iOS 10 as well as his new book, iOS 10 Without the Eye. Afterward, Scott Smith returns. You may remember he brought to us the presentation on the Sonos line of products. Well, he's coming back to show us two models of Uniden radio scanners. From what I've heard, it is pretty exciting because, at least for me, being able to enter your zip code and have it all programmed in as to what channels are needed for different communications in your area, like um, police or fire, that's pretty snappy. So, before we get started, there is one announcement with which I am sure you are all familiar. Enjoy the show! Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hi everyone, this is Janine Stanley and it is an honor to have tonight on Main Menu our founder, Jonathan Mosen. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, Janine. It's great to be back. And we are talking, of course, about iOS 10 because we could not be main menu and not talk about iOS 10. Well, the iOS 10 update came out this week, and I have seen many a post online that says, should I update? So, Jonathan, what should people update and what's new and exciting in iOS 10? I think that people should update, actually, by and large. You know, the, I understand the reticence, the nervousness, because in the last two or three major iOS releases, it has been a really rocky road, particularly for blind people. I mean, there have been some fun issues. You might remember a couple of years ago with iOS 8. I Apple was just going quite, to mention yeah. that, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Apple released quite a, a quick update, which broke the whole of LTE support, and then they had to pull that build and release a second one. And, of course, that had a flow-on effect because it meant that some people who had backed up their old iDevices in advance of uh, restoring to a new iDevice ended up with a newer build on their old iDevice than the one that came with their new one and that created all sorts of uh, strange um, businesses with, with, with restoring. But anyway, this time it does seem to be very good. I think from a blindness perspective, this is the most stable iOS build that we have seen in many years. And that's not to say that there aren't some bugs, but in fairness, what software doesn't have bugs? It's just the nature of software. So the one thing that really stands out as a potential showstopper is if you use Braille an awful lot, perhaps even if you're dependent on Braille because you're deafblind, then I know there is an issue with the email client that can make it quite difficult to work with email. That would be the only bug that I would probably put in the showstopper category. Other than that, it's doing well. And actually, as a barometer, 
you know, I monitor a number of blindness related iPhone lists. And normally at this time of the cycle, or at least for the last three or four years, those sorts of lists have been awash with complaints about the bugginess. That's not uh, yes. happening this time round. That's a pretty very, peaceful transition. Very surprised at that. I too did not see a lot of people saying, why doesn't this work? Or this feature doesn't work. That feature doesn't work. Now with the bug involving Braille, is that for the Braille screen input? Or is that if you are using a Braille display with email or both? It's actually when you're using a Braille display to read your email because it has the sender of the email on every single line when oh. you're trying to read a message. So it's an annoyance and oh, it, it yes. will really slow you down <laughs> and take up valuable Braille real estate. So that, Especially that is if a, you've got like a 14 cell display. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, for sure. Yes, yeah, it is It is. It is nasty, that one. But, you know, I compare it with last year when some of the bugs were very idiosyncratic and that they crippled the phone for some people, but they just weren't present at all for others. For example, I couldn't even answer a phone call with the first release of oh, iOS 9. Yes, I uh, remember I just, that know, horrible yeah. bug. And so I think that Apple have justifiably been, been pinged for the quality of some of their recent releases, and they deserved that. But in this instance, I think they also deserve our wholehearted congratulations because it seems to be a very stable build and that means that we can concentrate on on the new features and enjoying them like everybody else. Do you think that part of that stability comes from the nice long public beta cycle that they had for iOS 10 this time? I hope so. On my blog, when they went to the public beta program last year for the first time, I said, you know, this is really, really good news, but it's only part of the equation that there was a lot of feedback that Apple were already receiving from private beta testers who who sign up to the developer program or who have somebody who has done that who's added them to the developer program and and a lot of feedback just wasn't getting in uh, to the hands of people who would fix things in a timely manner so having more data is only the first part of the equation the next part is allocating the resources to fixing the issues well they got more data and this time they do appear to have done whatever needed to be done to give us a really good quite stable build so that's positive and also they did release a number of builds during this cycle they, they really you know, send updates out on a pretty regular basis uh, they seem to have been quite responsive to feedback so it is a very good news story of course unless you were one of the very early adopters of um, <laughs> ios 10 in about an hour and a half i think of its release and and within that period there were a few people who got their phones bricked I, when they updated over the air Yes, and unfortunately, our very own Randy Resnick was one of them. He got not one, but two phones that actually bricked during that time period. But luckily, because Randy is the big R and is who he is, he was able to get those phones, you know, back and updated and everything was cool. But I have to say that got fixed extremely quickly. Well, to, to, to be fair, it had to be. I mean, it was kind of like that whole oh, goodness, LTE yes. breaking thing all over again because it, it, it was bad PR, uh, people having their phones bricked all around the world, social media mm -hmm. was going crazy. And, you know, what was interesting was that it didn't affect everybody. And so some people were able to successfully update mm -hmm. and they were posting messages on Twitter and on email lists saying things like, <laughs> calm down, it's just that there were too many people trying to download it at once. Oh, and of course, that's not that what it was. was. It was the build it was all. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the build had already been downloaded and then it was bricking the phone. So that was unfortunate. Yes. But, you know, putting it in perspective, it hardly falls into the kind of my my phone is exploding category. Uh, yes, so, yes. Um, at least we don't have exploding phones. That's, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> As we record this, um, I don't have the iPhone 7 Plus I ordered in my hands, but because of the time difference, New Zealand is actually the first country in the world to get them. Last year, I got my 6S Plus at 8.30 in the morning, which is like 4.30 Eastern time on a Thursday. So it will be well ahead of when a lot of people in the U.S. get theirs, and I'm quite looking forward to, to that and, and, and seeing what the And we are going to be watching like. you on Twitter because we know that you will tweet the moment you get that phone in your hands. <laughs> Maybe I'll just be too busy to rip off the plastic and get into it, but you never know. <laughs> so I have to ask, what are your favorite features of iOS 10 as it stands? My favorite feature is kind of a bittersweet moment because I do quite a bit of assistive technology training. And one of the things that I help a lot of people with is this business of how you move apps oh, around your yes. iPhone from either to create a folder or to move something into an existing folder or just move it to another page on your home screen. Uh, so sadly, I've got a little less business to <laughs> conduct now because um, the, the way that they have implemented the moving of apps in iOS. S10 is is sheer elegance in a classic Apple kind of way. Oh, absolutely. If you have an Apple fourth generation TV, I'm told this is similar to how you move apps on the TV. Is that correct? Yes, it is. I think that it's really nice to see this cross-pollination. And you're seeing this a lot with the tvOS, iOS, uh, and watchOS families where a feature does well in one particular environment and then Apple thinks, well, how can we adapt this to another? And that's exactly what's happened in this context for moving apps around. So no more double tap, hold and slide around until you sort of get it where you want it almost and then hold it until it's in the folder you want it in. No more of that, folks. Um, and we will oh. probably do a little demo of this on main menu at some point. Yeah, I think that'll be worthwhile. That'll be worthwhile because it's also really important, I think, for people with dexterity issues. And we must never forget as we all go on this journey that the majority of blind people in the Western world are elderly, you know, about 80% Mm -hmm. are over the age of 65. And sometimes there can be additional disabilities that come with age-related blindness. And hand stability can really be one of those. And for people in that category in particular, moving apps around has been very difficult in the previous environment. So the fact that you can now take your time to flick through, find the place you want the app to be, and then get a list of choices. Okay, do I want my my moved app to be before this app or after this app or creating a new folder with this app? It's very, very well done. And it just, it encourages people to be more structured and neat about the way that their apps are organized. So, you know, if you're an app ninja like me and you're sort of collecting hundreds of these things, it's wonderful. I have all my apps on my home screen, my first page of my home screen, which we'll talk about the home screen in a minute because that's very different as well. But so I have all these folders and then I have like my top six apps that I use 
all the time. And those are outside of folders, but everything else is in a folder and then I can access it in other ways. So I'm always moving things around and, you know, okay, this app is out of the top six, you know, now I've got to move it back down and I'm accessing this one more often. So, and this is just so nice. My structure is very similar, but what I've done now, ever since I got my 6S Plus last year, was to restructure a little bit because of 3D touch. You know, I found that when I had a whole bunch of apps that I was using regularly tucked away in folders, it kind of negated the efficiency benefits that you might get from 3D touch. Absolutely, yes. So what I did was I created a whole first page of apps on my home screen of apps that I use on a pretty regular basis. And I took them out of folders and I put them and I call that my priority page of apps and that gives me quick access to all the 3d touch shortcuts that those apps have and then on the second page of my home screen which was formerly called page two and is now called page three that's where i put all my folders you mentioned now that what used to be the first page of your home screen is now page two so what's on page one yeah this really is a very critical thing about ios 10 Apple has sought to make information a lot more dynamic and the information that you care about a lot more accessible to you without the need to go into apps all the time. So on page one of your home screen, you now have this kind of super today view. It's a hybrid of the spotlight search and the old today screen that was tucked away in notification center in most recent releases of iOS. iOS. And on this page one now, If you take the time to set it up and it's very customizable, you can double tap the edit button and see a whole bunch of widgets there. Apple have added a bunch of widgets themselves. And often you'll find that when you install third-party apps, they are increasingly also including widgets that you can add to the screen that give you little tidbits of information that are useful. So it could be news or sports scores from your favorite team or in my case, because I work a lot in US dollars. I look at uh, foreign exchange rates quite a bit, and I have a foreign exchange rate converter on the screen showing me the key indicators of, of, of key currencies like euro and, of course, in my case, the New Zealand dollar, and that's all updated in real time. I have a little widget for my Sonos sound system. We've got multiple Sonos devices in our house, and so I can control what's playing anywhere in the house right from that screen. And this whole theme of dynamic content and being able to access it without necessarily going all the way into the app has also carried over to the lock screen, which is a very different oh animal. My goodness, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And it took me a while to get used to that, that first page, that uh, hyper notification center, as it were, today's screen. And I love it now. Um, the widgets are, for the most part, they're amazing. And different apps um, obviously have different things in their widgets. And it's very, very customizable. And uh, But now let's talk about the lock screen, because there is a lot of information on the lock screen. But there's one feature that may be a little... Um, um, I want to say disarming to people, and it's the raise to wake feature, or wake on raise, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Can you explain Thanks. this feature? 
Yes, and just just very briefly before we go off that uh, page one screen, one of the one of my favourite widgets, which I'm sure ACB Radio listeners will appreciate, is if you use the TuneIn Radio app, they also have a widget that you can add that comes with the TuneIn Radio app, and it remembers, I think, the last four or five stations that you listened to. So oh, wow. if you were listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, for example, um, then you can go back into that page one, and TuneIn Radio will be there if you've added its widget, and without having to go into the app and choose the correct tab and search around for it you'd just be able to double tap the acb radio button since you listened to it recently and it will just start to play so it's mega awesome wow. um in in terms of the lock screen yes uh, well raise to wake is a feature again you see this cross-pollination happening because this has come from the apple watch where if you've got a watch on your wrist you raise it uh, if you're a sighted person you would obviously raise it to look at the the watch screen and then the watch thinks oh okay i'm being i'm being lifted to the sky and that probably means that my human wants to see what's going on so it wakes itself up and shows you the screen and similarly if you pick up an iphone now and you're a sighted person you you raise it in a way that makes it clear you're you're looking at the screen then the iphone thinks okay i better wake up now if you are not seeing this behavior it's because the feature only works on iPhones that have a co-processor. And you, I'm going to be very careful about how I explain this so I don't start the, the world's iPhones talking. But you know, <laughs> you know whether you have a co-processor or not based on whether you can use the H-E-Y S-I-R-I oh, command. Oh, our little friend. <laughs> <laughs> That's the command. Um, with the without the device being plugged into to a power source. If you can, your phone has a coprocessor and it means that you do have access to this raise to wake feature. It's personally something that does not grab me at all. I guess it might be a blindness thing that, you know, you pick up the phone just to put it in your pocket or something and suddenly voiceover oh, is yabbering yes. away. And, yeah. and even tipping it, you know, from horizontal will start voiceover yammering away. And when you're playing something like a podcast or music or something, be sure that your audio isn't set to duck because it's gone. Voiceover is going to be talking to you for a little while until you can shut it up. Yeah, you've got to be careful if you're, in a, if you're in a meeting and you just pick up your phone and suddenly it's chatting away in a meeting. So I've, I've yes. turned it off. I do know some people who really like it, and that's great that it's a mm -hmm. toggle. Um, some people have had trouble finding that toggle, but it is in what to me seems to be a logical place, and that is in display settings, because after all, you are waking your display with this feature. So you go double tap settings and go into display, or you can just tell Siri to open display settings, and uh -huh. the raise to wake feature is there. The other thing about the lock screen is that it's a place that Apple want you to spend more time on. Again, consistent with this whole philosophy throughout iOS 10, that you should be able to access technology uh, content rather uh, in a timely way without necessarily having to go into the app. And so not only can you look at notifications that have recently come in that you've authorized to appear on your lock screen, uh, you can interact with that content. You could reply to a message potentially. You could reply to a tweet, all from the lock screen without having to go into the app. Now, there's a concept that people are still getting their head around, and that is that if you want to go all the way into your home screen, previously you would rest your finger on the Touch ID sensor with newer iPhones or iPads, and it would uh, unlock and you'd be at your 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 first page of apps on your home screen 
Now, you press the home button to unlock your phone and get to page one of the home screen or page two of the home screen um, by default in iOS 10. But that doesn't actually mean that resting your finger on the home button doesn't do anything. It does. What happens is that if you start to go sort of deep into a notification where you might have to reply to a text message, let's say, well, Apple's guarding against somebody picking up your phone and uh, seeing a text message on the lock screen if you choose to have them display there and then some random sort of <laughs> tapping the notification and writing a reply oh. on your behalf. Oh. So resting your finger on the home button actually does still authenticate you. And you can see this if you go into the status bar right at the top of your screen when you're on the home screen and you swipe past the indicator that tells you your Wi-Fi signal strength and what Wi-Fi network you're connected to, you will see, if you haven't rested your finger on the Touch ID sensor yet, that there is a locked symbol on the status bar. And that means that as long as your phone is in that locked state, you can't interact at a deep level with notifications on your lock screen. But if you uh, rest your finger on the home button, that locked indicator goes away, even though you remain on your lock screen and you can still interact with the notifications from the lock screen. So it's really important to understand that concept that resting your finger on the home a button still does something. You can go back to the old behavior. It's in accessibility settings under the home button where resting your finger on the touch ID sensor takes you all the way back into your home screen. But actually I wouldn't recommend it because I think once you get used to it, Engaging with all of your content right from the lock screen without the need to go into the app is actually a super efficient way to work. Oh, I love the messages feature of that because you can actually be in a conversation with someone and, uh, you know, get a message, respond to it right away. You can keep that conversation going without having to, you know, draw a screen down, hunt up the app, do all of these things. Uh, it just happens all right there in your lock screen. And thank you for explaining about the home button because that was one of the things that it was a little bit of a mystery to me. There are many places, actually, where you can engage with content without having to go into the app so we talked about that new page one of your home screen which i just think is a fabulous way of getting at content you need but you can also do searches the old three finger swipe down for spotlight search mm -hmm. still works and a number of an increasing number of apps are becoming spotlight search enabled so when you type something into that edit field it's quite cool what comes back now and the spotlight search is also right there in notification center uh, when you swipe down with three fingers from the status bar with voiceover on. So it is all over the place, this ability to search for content. Oh, absolutely. Now, let's talk about our little friend, Siri. And Siri has some new things that he slash she can do in iOS 10. Let's talk a little bit about some of those functions, probably the biggest of which is being integrated with some categories of apps. Yes, there are seven distinct category of app that Siri will now work with. And this is Apple perhaps being quite deliberative, I think, to put it charitably. You know, they've <laughs> taken their time with this while Android has sailed away with a very open platform. But 
Uh, Apple works on its own time frame, and when they deliver, they deliver in a, in a very considered way. Some people may find that annoying, and others may think, well, at least when they get there, it, it usually works very well. So you can't just have any old app integrate with Siri. It has to fall within these seven categories of apps that the initial uh, implementation of the Siri API supports. And they include things like ride sharing, VoIP calling, messaging, um, workouts, and a number of other, car, car play is another one, and a number of others. And uh, if the app falls into that category, and if the app developer has chosen to uh, write the Siri API into their app, then you can go into Siri's settings, and at the very bottom of Siri settings, there's a, a button that lets you see which apps have Siri support on your phone and whether you have that feature enabled or not for the app in question. And uh, within about a day of iOS 10's release, I had quite a few actually. Um, Uber's probably the big one, magical. So no longer will you need to say, you know, Siri, call me an Uber and it will say, Janine, you're an Uber. It actually will. Yeah. <laughs> it, <laughs> it will actually, will actually yes. call you an Uber. Yeah. Uh, so this is really, really cool. I've also got um, WhatsApp. And so um, quite a few of my my kids and their friends, well, I've got four kids. I wouldn't like to sort of spread it around that I've got like billions or anything, but I have got four. <laughs> and a number of my kids um, do use WhatsApp. And so I can now say to Siri something like, um, send a WhatsApp message to whatever, and it will just go ahead and uh, let me dictate the message without going into the app, Yelp. And another thing called Zomato, which allow you to search for restaurants. I have that on my phone now that have Siri support. If you're in the US, the Lyft app also has Siri support. And I hear that maybe even by the time this goes out, Skype may well be added to the list of uh, Siri-capable apps as well. Yeah, so it's it really yet, exciting. But I think it may be on there very, very soon. So, And, yes. you know, that gives you all sorts of choices as to how to call or message someone now, which is pretty amazing. Yeah, and this is also part of Apple's increasing carefully considered opening up of the platform. In fact, uh, it's very good news for apps like Facebook Messenger and Skype and other tools that allow you to make calls because they have now been given the same status in iOS as Apple's own FaceTime and phone apps. And so if they've been configured correctly by the app developer, then when you get a, a call from one of these third-party services, it will be just like a phone call. And that also means that you won't be interrupted. You know, you, in the past, if you were talking to someone really important on Skype and then suddenly you got a phone call, it would just unceremoniously put the Skype call on hold or just ah. dump them on hold without warning. And um, you'd, be, you'd be getting your phone calls. And now all phone apps, if they go through the correct channels, are created equal. So it's a very exciting release. It's a very solid release, I think. Oh, wow. Now, there is a feature with the phone that apparently sighted people are loving this, and I just think this is hysterical, that now it's like talking caller ID, basically. So independent of voiceover, you can set your phone call, the number to be announced of who's calling. And I was looking at that today. It is under the phone, under the settings. It had uh, the fact that this was never on. It was on for headphones only. It was on for CarPlay only. You know, they had a, a lot of choices or it was always on. I, I find that when I get a call, I usually 
I, sometimes I miss who has called, even when the talking is talking correctly. So I mm -hmm. tap the power button and just tapping the power button once silences the ringing. And then I can swipe through the screen and hear uh -huh. that name again, double tap, um, two finger double tap to answer. But it is interesting what you say, because there are many more speech related features for people other than blind people in iOS 10. In fact, there's a whole bunch of other speech features governing uh, the speaking of keyboard echo and a range of other functions as well. So this is good for people, for example, who may have dyslexia, who, who are not blind, but mm -hmm. sometimes they need things read out to them to be efficient. And so there are people with needs or disabilities other than blindness who will really like all of these talking features, including that talking caller ID one. Well, we've heard a lot about a lot of new features, and there are tons more that we have not talked about. But never fear, because Jonathan, in his finest tradition of the Without the iBooks, has a new book to help you with iOS 10, and it is called iOS 10 Without the Eye. So tell us about this new book. Oh, buy it today. That's what I say. <laughs> no, um, well, I, I started this by accident about four years ago when um, or three years ago when when apple was coming up with a huge visual makeover with ios 7 where they they really spent a lot of time on the on the visuals and i suddenly thought hang on what about uh, all these um, th this audience who doesn't care about the visuals uh, for whom a lot of details about the way the thing looks are going to be lost by all the eye candy stuff so i wrote ios 7 without the eye and i mean it was just incredible the reception and I know that now people associate these iOS without the iBooks with every release of iOS and they, you know, people have said, look, I won't upgrade until I get the book, which is very, very kind of them. <laughs> so it's great and I enjoy working on it. It can be fun. I start in June as soon as I can and try and document from a voiceover user's perspective uh, all that I can find that's new. And we have it out there on release day. And quite often there will be an update because no one person can discover everything. And so there might be one or two features that I either slightly misrepresented or uh, didn't get. And so we will do updates as more data comes in about the, the features in each version of iOS. But iOS 10 without the eye is in pretty good shape. And it went out the day before iOS 10 was released. And um, the feedback so far has been extremely encouraging it's it's a text book so it's all navigable by heading i find Wonderful. that i'm hearing from a lot of assistive technology instructors who are saying look you know we're on the road we get questions from our customers we don't have time to sit down there and explore this thing and so we now have a number of agencies that buy site licenses for the ios without the ibook each year so that they can give them to their instructors and help them get up to speed uh, for their clients. How much is the book and what formats is it available in? The book is $19.95, which it has been since its inception. And um, you can get it in EPUB and PDF formats from Mosin Consulting, my company, eventually. Uh, and the process takes a little longer, of course. It will be available in hard copy Braille and Ooh. another a number of other formats, including DAISY and I think possibly um, Word uh, from National Braille Press. And we're All going right. through working out the final uh, details of, of that and, and they will get it available because I think some people do like having the Braille under their fingertips as they mm -hmm. read as well. You have a whole bunch of other books, but we have another 
operating system yet to talk about for in the, the last few minutes that we have here, and that is tvOS 10. I have been doing a book since Apple TV came out for the fourth generation, and we came out with a new version of that the other day, and it's called The Apple of Your Eye which uh-huh. is a title that I'm very proud of because it, it was really boring before. It was something like Apple TV fourth generation with voiceover. And, you know, my wife said to me, this is a really terrible title, Jonathan, and you, you can usually come up with something better than that. I was working on it the, just a couple of weeks ago, and I thought, I've got it. I, well, by George, know, I think I've got it. Anyone who can come up with sonesthesia, I mean, <laughs> come on. You know, you, the bar had been raised and <laughs> – Mate, if I, if I wasn't doing the low-carb thing, I would have awarded myself a big dollop of ice cream for the sonesthesia Ooh, one. There you go. Yeah. So the apple of your eye covers um, tvOS all the way up to the very latest version where they've done a lot of really cool stuff with voiceover, including introducing Alex, for those who like that, oh, and yes. um, a whole bunch of other uh, voices to make it easier to access and, and more accessibility changes. And there's a lot of other stuff going on under the hood, uh, expansions to universal search, a sign-on feature if you have a sign-on with a cable company and, oh, and a hallelujah. bunch of other. And so that book, um, it's different from the iOS without the i series in that that series does not attempt to teach you how to set up your iPhone or start from scratch. It's it's a book that comes out every year that says, okay, you know, reasonably skilled iPhone user, here's what's new and here's how to use it. Whereas the, the uh, Apple TV book assumes that maybe you're just getting an Apple TV and you want to be guided through setting it up, configuring it, what does every single setting do and how might I set it up? It is a complete how-to guide from a blind person's perspective. And uh, we'll probably be talking a bit more about the fourth generation Apple TV and TV OS 10. And of course, next week, it's going to be Sierra time. And we learn about Siri on Sierra. Jonathan, can you give us once again, the website where people can order the books? Sure, you can head on over to mosen.org, that's M-O-S-E-N.org, and go to the store there and you'll see all the titles that we have. And we've spent a lot of time, especially in the last six months or so, on the e-commerce to make sure that it's as accessible and user-friendly as we can possibly make it. So you can purchase and download right away. There's no waiting for your title to be emailed. Uh, You just go back after paying to our page and you'll see your purchases right there ready for download. How can people follow you on social media? You can follow my personal account where anything could happen. And uh, I'm Jonathan (laughs) Mosen, all one word on Twitter. Or you can follow Mosen Consulting, all joined together, Mosen Consulting. And from that account, we tweet information about what we're doing, but also quite liberally share tech stories of interest to the blind community that um, we sort of scour the sources and tweet the best of them for those people who want one account that will help them keep up with what's going on in technology. And I can tell you, Jonathan's personal account is a lot of fun to follow. And you'll get to hear the story of the iPhone 7. So be sure. And (laughs) (laughs) if you are a Twitter person, please be sure and follow Jonathan. And thank you so much for joining us on Main Menu, Jonathan. And I'm sure uh, we will have you back to talk about even more iOS, watch OS, any OS there is. (laughs) Well, it's always a blast being back on Main Menu, Janine. So happy to do it anytime. Thank you so much. And now, here is Scott Smith. Hello. I hope 
everyone is doing well. My name is Scott. I'm from South Carolina. And today we're going to talk a little bit about police scanners. What is a police scanner? A police scanner is a unit that can be used to scan radio traffic on multiple bands, multiple types of traffic, analog, digital trunk in traffic that that way it can track the frequencies that your trunk system is assigning that's beyond the scope of this recording and much much more i'm using an app called rev recorder from back in the day i don't know if any of you remember that app or not but we're using this to make that recording and today we're going to talk about two police scanners with a brief demo of each we're talking about the unidin model scanners these are a couple years old now the unidin bcd 536 hp hotel papa there's my amateur uh, radio side coming out giving you the phonetics this is a desktop unit i'll give you a physical description of the scanner I'll tell you what makes this scanner so easy to use. And as I said, we'll do a brief demo of the scanner. This desktop unit measures about eight inches long, about six and a half inches deep, and about two and a half inches thick. On the left front side of the unit, you have a tuning knob with a display, and then you have a series of 16 buttons with a column to the left and your 12 key numeric keypad to the right. They're not separated, but there's a column to the left of the numeric keypad. Then you have the squelch knob, the volume knob. Under the zero button, you have a slot for an SD card. Beside that, you have a headphone jack. On the back of the unit, you have AC power. A line out jack for a speaker. Well, you ask me why do you need a headphone jack or a line out jack? The line out jack is not controlled by the volume, it's for hooking it up to an external powered speaker and or a computer. If you know anything about like apps like 50 Radio Pro, Scanner Deluxe, these are the kind of scanners they use to provide those feeds. I am not a current feed hoster, however, that may change when I get a better antenna. We'll get into the pros and cons of the scanner in just a moment. If you're looking at the back of the scanner, you're going from left to right. There's a USB port for the supplied dongle, which is on like a two-foot cable. It's a square box with a two-foot-long USB cable coming out of it. This is to provide access that you can put this scanner on your Wi-Fi network. Please note, you will need sighted assistance to do this. There are no shortcuts that I can tell you to make this easier. It's easier just to grab somebody and say, hey, can you help me verify that my Wi-Fi information is correct? You'll also need to copy down the IP address of the scanner because when you launch the app, it will ask you to choose that. And if it's not correct, you'll have to edit it. This scanner does come with an app that allows some control functionality. You can hold on frequencies and listen to the scanner through your smartphone as long as you're near your home network. Or you can set this scanner up in your car or wherever to create its own network. Some states do not allow mobile scanning. Please check your state laws before proceeding with mobile scanning. My state does. All states, as far as my research, I've done tedious research. It seems that all states in the United States and Canada allow you to have a fixed scanner. And I think the UK does too. I know people that have them over there. They allow you to have a fixed scanner or 
maybe even a portable scanner to carry around with you as long as you don't take it mobile. Interpret the law at your own risk. This scanner appealed to me because it's really easy to set up. Back in the late 80s, mid late 80s when I got into scanning, I had a crystal type scanner. It required the crystals to be burned at a certain a certain way, a certain length. Uh, there's a lot to that. But it had specifications and you ordered those crystals for the frequencies that you needed and you plug those crystals into the board of the scanner and that's how it worked. Most of them were 10 to 20 channels. And then we jump up to the 90s. I got a digital scanner and it required, it was 100 channels. I still have it actually. I'm a collector of these things. And this scanner required you to sit down and key in your frequencies into a memory channel. Then we jump up to the late 90s. I got a trunk tracking scanner. This scanner required you to key in frequencies, talk groups, unit IDs, radio IDs, many, many things. It was really a pain to program. It took you grabbing sighted assistance for multiple hours to accomplish this task. We fast forward until recently when the band plans changed. All the scanners that I had were not able to follow the new band plans. And I'm a scanner enthusiast. I love listening to a police scanner. They call them police scanners. They scan everything. Police, fire, EMS, railroad, amateur radio, military. Which, by the way, these things cannot unencrypt. That's illegal. But they can pick up the encrypted traffic. You don't know what it's saying, but you know some traffic went over the encrypted channels if you choose to scan that. I do not choose to scan that. Forestry commission, garbage pickup, school bus. I mean, there are many, many, many things that you can scan. Public service. Basically, anything, any business, uh, you can do private business. Any business that has a commercial radio one talking to the other you can pick up with a scanner if it's within your scanner's range this scanner has uh, a selectable range this scanner does not program like a traditional scanner I'm sure you can program it that way if you want to sit down and put all that information in but what I did was this I took my scanner out of the box connected the antenna connected the power cable turned it on with sighted assistance I set the time and the date and then it asked me, U.S. or Canada? So I'm in the U.S. I chose U.S. And it said, please enter your zip code. I punched in my zip code. And I pressed the enter button. It said, retrieving database. The database from radioreference.com is stored on an SD card in the scanner. It comes standard with a 4 gig. I've upgraded mine to an 8 gig because I had a card malfunction. And an 8 gig was cheaper than 4 gig. Um, it's a standard micro SD card, just like your camera takes. I think, yeah, that's micro SD. I get micro and mini confused. A little bitty tiny memory chip, about the size of your thumbnail, give or take. You plug this in, and basically, all this big metal this machine I did not mention is made of metal. The speaker is located on the bottom, it has some legs. There is some repercussion of sound off of your table. The speaker is flat, flush with the bottom of the unit, kind of like the old CBs. But when I punched in my zip code, I waited about 40 seconds, and it said beep, beep, just like you'll hear it do in just a minute when we go over here and flip it on. It said beep, beep. 
And then I heard Spartanburg Bravo 501 responding. And I was like, sweet. That was easy. Three minutes from the time we opened this box until this thing is scanning. So three minutes was the deal here. We went from nothing to scanning. And when we boot this scanner up, which we're fixing to do, we walk up to it. We go to our volume knob. I have to move something over, sorry. And we give it a twist. You'll hear it click, I hope. Give it a good little twist there. Get us some volume on it. And it's booting up, reading the database. That's the beep beep I was talking about. The next beep will be scanning here. Boom. I'm gonna lay this phone down right here very gently. Very gently. And these are some clear signals. That's Cherokee County Police. It does show on the display. And that is what this scanner sounds like. That's how simple it is. I pulled it out of the box. Is that the time and date? The time and date is not correct right now, by the way, because we had a power outage and I didn't set it back correctly. I just turned it on to my favorite, my list that I've created with the computer, which it only works on Windows, by the way. No Mac here. That's the only reason I keep a Windows computer around. And you can see it's smoothly trunking. I'm the reception is one thing that's a little iffy. I have it in a not in an okay place right now, but it's in a place that I can at least hear it. I can move it around and get better reception, but I don't really have anywhere to move it to at the moment, so if you put it in an open place, you'll get good reception near a window or something. It won't be a big deal at all. And everything will be fine. I believe you will enjoy this scanner. This scanner has given me many hours of knowledge. You can hear it doing the different groups. That's the Cherokee County group again. Uh, just to give you a little heads up. They don't use the trunk tracking setup as the other county does. Um, I'm looking for some EMS or something, something really clear and something digital to let you hear that aspect of it. But right now that is apparently not busy. So, But trust me, it is very clear. The decoders do a really good job of decoding the digital signal. And it went quiet. That's unusual around here. That's very unusual for these two counties that I'm monitoring to go quiet like this. There's always something going on in this area. And these things usually stay scanning 24-7. One or the other of my scanners, I keep my portable in the living room with me. This one is beside my bed on a dresser. In my, what uh, part of my house is my ham shack? Yes, I have my ham shack set up. Well, I have two, but one's in my bedroom, so <laughs> take that. You sit here and listen to the scatter talk on amateur radio. It can get a bit tedious as my amateur radio does dual band, and I put one band of it on scan as well. 
so it can get a bit overwhelming but that's the fun of the hobby see how many things you can find out legally and this is all legal what we're doing here there's no law breaking and tracking the police departments it's just a great way to relax after a, a nice long hard work day or to know what's going on if you need to go help somebody your friends or something or you know just to know what's up I mean I like to know what's up around me so let's turn this one off and go check out the portable the portable was equally as easy to set up here I have it set and uh, positioned right now on the other side of the room so let's see let me describe this one to you. This one I can pick up. Has a belt clip. I modified the antenna. I put a BNC connector, which they gave us, and put a Radio Shack RS800 antenna on it. The antenna does screw into this unit. Uh, female type SMA connector. This unit has a knob on the top. Let's see if you can hear this knob. Oh yeah, you can hear that. And it clickies. And a headphone jack beside that and the antenna. That's the top. On the left side it has a function button and a menu button. And it has the same 16 buttons with the dot on the 5. Both of these have the dots on the 5. The same 16 button keypad. Except on the bottom there's a row of three buttons and I don't even know what they do to be honest with you. Probably something to do with record and playback. These scanners can record traffic. So the 16th button, one, two, three, four, yeah. The 16th button on this, and there are some menu functions. There is a direct location entry key on this one. But the 16th button is the power button on this. So I'm going to go to my favorites list here. You hear it say boop boop. It does have a power up sound. It will boot into the favorites list. Set it back down here. It has booted, and let's see if we get any action on this one. To adjust the volume on this particular unit, you press in on the top knob and you rotate it to adjust your volume. Then you press in again. Let me get it to the scan here. This one is going crazy on me. I haven't turned it on in a while. It's wanting all this other input. So let me work through this menu. Now it is booting. Boom. Now we'll get some action off of this one. Let me show you this volume adjustment. You, you push it in and set your volume. And it has a speaker on the bottom, front. And it's thin and wide. It's not square like the old Radio Shack portables if you've ever seen one of those. The belt clip rotates and you can pop it out of the belt clip and then you put it back in the belt clip. It clicks back into place. Uh, 
kind of like a commercial walkie-talkie, uh, Kenwood or something like that. And it's very quiet for some reason today. I was hoping to get you some really good scanning activity. But it doesn't seem to be in the cards for us today. Um, that is quite unusual. These are, this is a look at these unit and scanners. They're really neat. As I said, three minutes tops. This one has rechargeable batteries. Let me see how many batteries are in here. It has an SD card under the batteries. And it has one, two, three double A batteries that are rechargeable. You can flip down a flap on the side. And it has the jack to hook up the GPS unit to this one as well. Let's pull this little rubber flap down. It's very tedious. It's very hard to get this thing open sometimes. But you have to believe me, it does open. It has that and a mini USB jack. There we go. Come on now. And it has rubber around both sides. The menu and the function buttons are rubber. And if you turn the clicky knob, it goes from forward to reverse on the scanning direction. I'm trying to get it to pick up some more stuff for you. I'm, like I said, not in my best scanning location right now, but it is kind of loud in there. Uh, with the fan and TV and all that good stuff. So we'll just have to take what we can get. At least you got to hear it scan. If you have questions, feel free. Uh, that's what it does when you power it off. You press and hold the power button and it bloop powers down but that's a look at these two scanners I hope if you're interested in scanning that you try some apps and maybe if you say well these apps just aren't cutting it for me maybe you can grab yourself one of these scanners I said they're a bit pricey $4.99 and $5.99 respectively but if you're an enthusiast like me small price to pay if you're not a scanner enthusiast, waste of money. You know, it depends on which way you put it. But I had to have me... The portable goes with me a lot of places. Has gone to work before. Just when you don't have much going on, you just pull it out and sit on a shelf and scan away. The portable's about six inches tall three inches wide it also has a big display on the top half of it the top half of it is display the bottom half is keypad and speakers or speaker and as I said it has one headphone jack top center top dead center right beside the antenna jack if you have questions tweet me at Scott DSS get a hold of the main menu team they know how to find me they will gladly get your questions to me and we will go from there we'll, we'll bring this to a stopping point at this time and continue this discussion online Uniden Bearcat BCD 586 and 486 HP respectively are these scanners I hope you enjoy them as much as I do I really enjoy these scanners and, and, and what they bring to us
my wife and I spend a lot of time with them on in the background listening to what's going on around us so we hope you've enjoyed this little short demo and talk intro to quote unquote police scanning if you will uh, that's such a generic term I call them scanner radios because they pick up anything from 28 megahertz to nine, uh, 1350 megahertz anything that has a transmitting output they'll even do FM radio if you type it in directly which it takes a little process but you can make it scan through the bands and do FM radio not the quality of speaker that I would want to listen to FM radio on it sounds about like a if you've ever heard a fire department pager or a HT the portable sounds like that and the big one has a little better quality speaker but it's still not something I would use for an FM radio that's not the purpose of these anyway I hope you've enjoyed this information and I hope it has helped someone to make a purchasing decision on one of these units before we wrap up the show I wanted to share a quick tip with you that my good friend and co-host Randy Rusnak shared with me when you first upgrade to iOS 10 you may notice that oh you can't just lay your finger on the home button on the lock screen and expect it to unlock it will make an unlock sound and then tell you to press the home button to unlock the phone and I didn't think much of it I was testing the public beta and dealt with it just got into the habit of pressing the home button well Randy told me that you can revert to the previous behavior and that way you can just rest your finger as you did in iOS 9 if you would like to do this you can go to settings general accessibility home button and in that category, you will find something which reads rest finger to open. When you turn that on, the previous behavior will be reinstated. Hope this helps some of you who may have found it annoying to rest and press. Main Menu is a program brought to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs every Friday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream, and it repeats every four hours until 5 p.m. the following day. You can catch it on any internet-connected device, listen via the ACB Link iOS app, grab it as a podcast, or call 605-475-8130 at airtime. If you'd like to email us with questions, comments, or feedback, the address is mainmenu at acbradio.org, or you can interact with us on Twitter at Main Menu. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week.